You are now tuned in to the Free Play Media Podcast Network. Hello, Marks, and welcome to another week from the Band from Ringside Podcast. I am, as always, your host, Bill Vagy, and to my right, as always, is Zach Two Beer Pullman. What's going on, Zach? Not a lot, Bill. A uh, big week in wrestling and a big week in wrestling history. Ready to fill up this pod. <laughs> that sounded worse than I meant it to. <laughs> to his right, wearing a Big Show T-shirt is number one in the on your softball team. Number one in your hearts, Jason Cornelius Bell. What's going on, Jason? Just healing it up. You know how we do it. Yeah. So I was uh, out of town all weekend and Monday and Tuesday. Uh, so this this episode of Band from Ringside could be called "Tell Bill What He Missed." You're just a jet setter. I feel, yeah. like, I feel like every week you're he's doing something. Yeah, uh, I know, guys. I mean, that's what that's the way big ballers do. We're just and the I, sorry oh, people. Oh, oh, oh. Hold on, guys. Yeah. I say, don't give it away. Just we'll yet. get to big baller <laughs> later on with Lavar Ball and Lonzo and everything. Um, I also missed a big uh, double header in softball this week. Jason and I, Jason and I, have been playing softball together for about. 11 or 12 years, and I finally missed when <laughs> Jason finally pissed off the umpire and the other team enough to start. If, hang on. If you're going to tell the story, let's tell it right. I pissed off the ump, his girlfriend, and the other team. Sounds like the ump's girlfriend pissed you off, though, and our team. Yeah, I, I fell into her trap. That's just me, but you'd have been proud of me. I've cut a really good promo in between falling in the trap or before and after falling in the trap. See, I don't know what does that does that make her a trap queen? I don't even know what that means. What is a trap queen? She was not that I cute. I think you should she just google it and find out. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll get to that later. <laughs> we'll get that later on, I guess. Uh so uh without further ado, we're going to get straight into the week that was in professional wrestling with our three count. Two beer. Why don't you start us off with uh number 1? Number one, we got to talk about the Ring of Honor pay-per-view that happened uh, this week, Best in the World. Best in the World! I followed it uh, through JCB's tweets. Uh, He was live tweeting it. He was at home and uh, got to watch the whole thing. I caught up on a little bit of it. I watched most of the title matches, um, three out of four of the title matches, which were the last three matches on the card, uh, all of which were really good. The tag match especially was fantastic. Uh, and the main event was um, shocking and um, really cool, really well worked. And uh, also the TV champ, um, just really good, solid matches all around. So The main event might have some strange consequences going forward because, spoiler alert, Cody Rhodes, or I guess just Cody in Ring of Honor, uh, took the Ring of Honor championship from the fallen angel Christopher Daniels. Uh, thoughts on that, JCB? Apparently, uh, it's been 30 years since a Rhodes has been champion, so I kind of thought going into it, and I'll just speak for myself, we see, we being Bill and I, see Ring of Honor when I see him on maybe Friday or Saturday nights, or whatever the case may be. Yeah, so Saturday I'm, nights, I bartend on Saturday nights and uh, at Jack Patrick's in downtown. Not a sponsor, <laughs> but Jack Patrick's but downtown out. at 10th and Olive. But if you want to support the show, go tip Bill. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, but uh, yeah, Ring of Honor is on Saturday nights uh, locally here in uh, St. Louis Mo, and we turn it on at the bar to the chagrin of all the other uh, bar shit. patrons. Yeah, tough shit, because I'm the boss. And it's wrestling. Yeah. Um, no, I thought that that was 
if there was any kind of a slam dunk prediction, I thought that was the slam dunk prediction. It's no knock against Christopher Daniels. He finally got his rightful spot being the ROH champion. But this just made way too much sense because now with Cody being the ROH champion, you're going to have him and Okada basically fighting for the New Japan Japan championship. championship. Or you can make it a title for title, however you want to spin it. It made more sense for Cody to win long-term booking versus having... It sets up the possibility that Cody could simultaneously hold the ROH belt, the heavyweight belt, and the New Japan belt, which... I'm sure has happened before. I'm not. I'm, I'm not, not that big yeah. of a smart. Yeah, I, I'm sure say. there's Ring of Honor fans out there that will correct us, and please do. Yes, yeah, that's what I'm say. I know the general will be listening tomorrow. You, you go ahead, show your smarts off. I think honestly, this is going to be a good thing, especially for someone like me that's just getting to start to watching ROH, watch uh, New Japan this weekend, or whatever the case may be. This is a good time to get in because now the landscape has kind of changed a little bit, especially with Cody being the champion. We're going to follow him over into uh, Cali to watch him wrestle Okada or whatever the case may be. But no, all in all, for a first-time ROH pay-per-view, the first one I watched, it was really, really good. And WWE doesn't have to worry about their staying as the number one company, but there's some things that they could look at ROH and kind of apply to themselves. It's a very different style, the match styles especially. I can't believe the Young Bucks have worked so long uh, without any kind of serious injury. I know they've had little injuries here and there, but their style they are wild. is just over the top. And I mean, they're not, I mean, they're not spring chickens anymore. I mean, they're called the young bucks, but I mean, they're not super young anymore. And I mean, they're not old by any means. No Christopher Daniels, uh, but they really work a, a very indie style. And I think that's exciting. I think that's what a lot of uh, the smarky wrestlers like about NXT versus WWE. I listened to an interview with Roddy Strong the other day, and he was talking about adjusting to that slower style of being more psychological, and well, and selling more, and selling more. Absolutely, there's not, there's not a. I mean, if there's one, if I have one knock on ROH, I didn't watch the entire pay per view. What I did was I watched the the three title matches, the uh, Bully Ray and the Briscoes versus Dalton Castle and the Boys, and I <laughs> fucking love Dalton Castle and the Boys. <laughs> love that so much. Uh, I watched uh, Kushida versus, was it Skrull? Martin, Martin Skrull. Yeah. yeah, and then I watched the um, the title match. Quick sidebar, I can't still get over those um, that English strong style finger snaps. It gets mm-hmm. me every time. Mm-hmm. Like I know intellectually that that sound does not come from right. their fingers, <laughs> but it just is so visceral. I yeah, love it. Exactly. Marty Skrull is a star, and Kashida's a star. I mean, those are they're two fantastic wrestlers. Yeah, I like uh, I like both of them a ton. Um, I also like, uh, well, I mean, just to run down the card a little bit, um, I've always liked Kazarian. Yeah, Hangman Page is, uh, is a really nice talent. Just, and like I said, this is the first time I really watched it. The way they kind of built the the fight up or whatever the case may be was perfect. And it showed that in this kind of a grudge match, and it's not, you know, TV, PG, or whatever WWE is, this was a grudge match, and it felt like a grudge match. Oh, yeah, they really sure. laid it on. Both guys laid it on the other one really well to the point where there was a couple of times where I like, you know. That I'm was a wincing. stiff match. Yeah, yeah. There was no question about that. They laid it on the table, and it yeah, turned and they out the, really they good. They had the welts on their backs mm. to uh, to prove it. Um, uh, I also have always liked Silas Young a whole lot. 
I, this was the first time I really watched his match and just, he's like our softball team. If you look at us, we don't look like there's nothing impressive about us. But then the next thing you know, okay, I'll speak for myself (laughs) on that one. But the next thing you know, Silas Young is putting on one of the better matches of the night. Clutch. Yeah. Jay Lethal really sold the fact that he could have possible rib injuries coming up into this uh, weekend's tournament. Yeah, I almost think that they did that to give Jay Lethal an out for not winning it because he took such a beating at the end of it at the hands of Silas Young and uh, the the fat dude. Uh, Beer City Bruiser. <laughs> Beer City Bruiser, who Which, did a pretty um, wicked frog splash. I was going to say, he's kind of nimble for being that big. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? They did a really fun spot on the 300th episode of ROH2 where... Uh, they just had him run the ropes, and they kept leapfrogging and dropping down, and it got to the point where they were just, like, basically winding him. Uh, it, it was pretty funny. He ended up throwing up beer <laughs> outside I think the ring. The most, athletic, <laughs> the, the most athletic match, though, and the most well-choreographed match was that four-on-four match, uh, which was uh, Search and Destroy versus the Motor City Machine Guns. And Jason and I were on our way here, and I meant to look it up. I can't remember the guy's name that it, does the Father, Cedric the Son, and the Holy, Holy Ghost. Ghost. That that move right there is... That takes a lot of agility from the guy taking it, too. Right. Yeah, it's, a, sure. it's a wild move, yeah. and uh, I apologize for not looking it up. Um, question about Cody Rhodes. Um, Cody Rhodes quit WWE... Uh, voluntarily, yeah. he let his contract expire with WWE so he could do this. And he is um, on top of the indie wrestling scene right now. He immediately became part of the Bullet Club, uh, which is elite indie style wrestling Sweet. stuff. Yeah. Uh, he became part of the Bullet Club. He was involved in the Omega Okada 2 match uh, at New Japan. Uh, they, I thought that was going to be a swerve right there when he came down to the ring. Now he's ROH champion, and he's fighting for the New Japan Championship come this Saturday. He's main eventing night one of a two-night first-ever New Japan in the United States. So the question is, do you think Cody has any regrets? <laughs> <laughs> I actually saw somebody ask him this on Twitter, and he said, absolutely not. He's like, monetarily, I'm making way more money he has to be. than I ever was with WWE, and he's getting to do what he wants. Right. He has to be. The highest he ever got in WWE, despite the fact of how great he was, was fighting Rey Mysterio at WrestleMania, and they went on second. Ugh. I mean, right. re- that's really the highest he ever got, right? I mean, I think he held the IC for a while. Yeah, I was going to say he was probably, probably a tag he was team probably champion. tag champions with yeah, DiBiase, something like that. But yeah, uh, definitely stuck in the mid card. Definitely stuck. I love dashing Cody Rhodes. That was that was right then when I thought this could be something that you can parlay into a main event kind of character. He still might not be thirty. Let's say he is thirty. Okay. He's still got time to yeah, it, work on the indies for a couple of years. and yeah, have plenty a, of time. He's going to work on the indies for two or three or four years, and then he's going to come, come back, back, and he's going to be the hottest shit in WWE. And, there, and, there's and nothing, then they'll cool him off. Yeah, right, <laughs> because that's what they do. No, I was going to say, I was kind of like the, the Young Bucks thought it would be different if they wrestled a WWE schedule and did all that. They're wrestling the ROH schedule, and they're – no knock against ROH, everybody. So don't start, you know, lighting my shit up. It's a healthier about, schedule. It is a healthier schedule, okay? And it will obviously prolong oh, Wrestler's career. He turns 32 tomorrow. Okay. 
Happy birthday, Cody Rhodes. I was yeah, the right. first to say it. <laughs> but anyway, long first. story short, ultimately, this will work out for Cody Rhodes because it will give him career longevity. He can come back to WD. He WWE. doesn't have to wrestle as much. Yeah. And when he does come back, he'll get the biggest pop that you've seen. And he could be, you could have Cody Rhodes, Ring of Honor heavyweight champion, New Japan heavyweight champion. In your town, in Belleville, mm, Illinois, good call. Nice. on July 9th I, I see what at the Belleville Fairgrounds, which uh, we'll be there. Yeah, we'll, we'll be, be there. We will be, absolutely gonna, be there. It's going to be the shit. With bells on. Uh, so, Ring of Honor, Best in the World 2017 was, uh, give it a final grade, J-Bell. Solid B. I mean, like I said, this is the first time I really saw it. Anything I would try to take off from it is is nitpicky it was really really good zach oh yeah i'll agree i might even go b plus um i'm kind of a newbie to roh i've dabbled here and there i was a bartender for 15 years and much to the chagrin of my customers i would make them watch roh (laughs) also uh but outside of that i didn't have a whole lot of incentive and now that uh, we're hosting a wrestling podcast i watch every week yeah it's fucking great yeah, uh, I enjoy yeah, the hell out of it. Yeah, I would say Solid B's uh, about right. It's not my first Ring of Honor pay per view that I've watched, but um, they always deliver. Yeah, of course. The, the work rate is off the chart, yeah. off the chart, off the chains, off the chart. Are, are you okay over there? Three counts. <laughs> What's number two in our three count, Jason? Uh, I want to talk about the, uh, the the women's revolution two weeks ago. Everywhere on social media and any place I saw or read or whatever the case may be, you know, the women's division was down and, you know, this revolution that we've started on the path for the last year is done. And, you know, it's, you know, the Hornets are coming in, the Locusts are right behind them, the whole shebang. And now two weeks later, women have main evented Raw, SmackDown and NXT. I can't think that's great ever happened. Yeah. I can't think that's it's ever never happened. happened. It's never happened. And okay. it's right off of a man stealing the money in the bank, which we actually talked about last week. So go back and listen last week if you haven't. And the upcoming May Young Classic, I think, is the whole reason for it, which I'm stoked for. They're bringing in a lot of talent uh, from overseas and just, you know, just like they did with the Cruiserweight Classic. I heard Kelly got- Blanchard's daughter is in it. Yeah, I yeah. expect her to do, uh, to do well, go deep into the tournament or whatever the case yeah. may be. But and Jr. is calling it, calling so. it with uh, with Lita. I think it's going to be uh, on really? the side. Yeah, I didn't hear that. Yeah, they that's cool. Jr. Jr. will make Jr. will make it all right. Yeah, yeah. and and sorry, I mean, I mean so will, so will the women. The women will make it good too. I'm just saying, <laughs> no, Jr. is very good. He'll sell it and he'll put guys over, and oh, that's yeah. that's part of the big picture. Guys in the ring need to do their job, but the announcers on the flip side of it, need to do their job as well. JR is perfect to put these women over. I'm sure he'll do all the homework necessary. Lita will be your um, expert correspondent or whatever the case may be. Hall of Famer, obviously, you know, former Divas champion or whatever the case may be. Um, the one thing I will say about this whole women's revolution thing and just going back to specifically the women's money in the bank part, do. They did it right the second time. This was the match that they should have had the Sunday of Money in the Bank pay-per-view. In what way? Everybody got their little spots, but the biggest thing is James Ellsworth still had to interfere, which is fine. But then this time around, 
Becky pushes him off of the ladder. He falls on the top rope, busting his balls, literally. He falls out the ring. So in turn, now Becky has hurt herself, so she's kind of limited going up the ladder, which I will say this, another side note, the women actually look like they were trying to go up to the ladder, like versus the men. They're like, you know, they're taking their little sweet time or whatever the case may be. The women were just like, okay, boom, 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 boom. As Becky was trying to go up, she's favoring the leg. Here comes Carmella. Yeah, she sold it. She sold it. Mm-hmm. Carmella does what what you should do as a heel. Hit her on the bad leg or the mm-hmm. bad knee or whatever the case may be. Becky goes down. Carmella goes up. Nimbly, may I add, gets the uh, briefcase. We got a new Miss Money in the Bank. That was perfect. That's what you should do. Another time. thing that they did correctly was Charlotte and Natalia just started wrestling because they were so angry at each other. That was cool. Is that they just started wrestling into the crowd like they forgot about the money in the bank because they were so pissed off at each other. And what that does well is spins it off. Mm-hmm. So maybe you could have two women's stories on the same show. Oh, SmackDown's done it before. It's just for whatever reason now they've gotten into this big convoluted, you know, mosh pit of a storyline. And now you're going to have at least two storylines Charlotte and Natalia. You'll have Becky Lynch and uh, Carmella spin off this. All this surrounding Naomi, who just destroyed Lana. I mean, that that match shouldn't even happen. It was so much. That probably should have been what happened the first time too. Okay, more. That so was retribution for looking so good on the pay per view. <laughs> <laughs> Nia Jax, just quick shout out to Nia Jax on that gauntlet match on uh, Monday night. That's the best that. They've made her look. Even in a loss, she came out looking stronger than she did coming in. I feel like she's a baby face. I think having her be a heel is the wrong move. I, d- I just don't buy it. She has no character. There's nothing There's nothing face or heel that makes me connect emotionally to Nia Jax. And that's how you you get us in. There yeah, which is fine. She's, she's malleable. You know, it, it could go either way. Yeah. Uh, I think... You know, being, you know, as dominating as she is, she makes a, a fine heel. But I think also, I mean, I'm rooting for her. I was rooting for her in this match. I was, you know, looking forward to her. I mean, the beginning was total squash, but the last 12 minutes with her and Sasha were Bailey being really a good. part of that total squash. They're, yeah. Bailey, they're, Bailey's in trouble. Well, they're probably sending her back down or something. They don't send anybody back down. When's the last person they sent back down? Cesaro. I mean, Cesaro used to moonlight on NXT and stuff. That's I, not the same thing. No, you're right. It's not the same thing. Okay. Vince is not going to admit failure. And sending Bailey back down that might is not a mini- be, That might not be his failure, though. Yeah, it is. Who makes the last call at the end of the day? It's Vince. Vince makes these calls. He probably let Creative Triple H talk him these, into it. No, stop it. Somewhere Triple H is, you know destroying backstage equipment because he built Bailey up, built Sasha Banks up to literally hand them over to the main roster. And in some form or fashion, they failed to live up to the hype. That's on Vince. That's not on Triple H. Triple H did his job. He developed the characters, developed the wrestlers. Here you go, Vince. And Vince fucked it up. Fair enough. But the, like you said at at the top of this count, the uh, rumors of the demise of the women's revolution were greatly exaggerated. Sure. And it turns out that having Ellsworth grab the briefcase, like I said last week, 
was probably the smartest thing they could have done. It brought the most attention to it, and two straight weeks of SmackDown have been devoted almost entirely to the women's division. Amen. And, like you said, NXT was headlined by women. Uh, Which Raw, was, Raw was headlined by a 30-minute women's gauntlet match. And the NXT was one of the best matches of 2017 NXT. Nikki Cross and Oscar uh, just tore the house down. That was fantastic. I think... My smarkiness, I think it would have been cool if they ended in a double mm-hmm. I was thinking out. that. I was thinking that myself. And I was they like, took it no to way. a takeover. Yeah, that's what I think ultimately should have happened. Ember Moon is going to be the champion at some point. Yeah. And that's fine. Nikki Cross is going to beat Ember Moon at some point. Yeah. She is, her character is perfect. She plays the character perfectly. And she's a good wrestler. She knows how to work in the ring. And let's not forget, we talked about JR putting people over. Mm-hmm. Moro Ronaldo was back on NXT. Perfect. And my NXT. God, he was hype. Yeah. And it added not just to that whole card, but especially to that match. Uh, I mean, they did that superplex off the ladder onto the announcer's table. So there was total silence for a minute and a half after Moro's been like totally hyped the whole time. Uh, that match was brilliant, and yeah. Nikki Cross deserves that belt at some point. Like you said, her character is great. As soon as she woke up from that table spot, she was She's just smiling. laughing. I'm like, yeah. okay, you're a crazy bitch. But that's perfect. That's what she wants you to think. She's that batshit crazy. Sidebar. Perfect. Um, was Ranello, did Ranello ever actually get uh, fired? Did he ever sever employment with the WWE? He didn't. Um, he he had asked for release and they negotiated and he said that they were parting ways on mutual agreement and then it ended up that um, they came to another mutual agreement where he was doing this NXT thing and he's firmly denied any bullying, JBL, anything. Yeah, I don't really even care that much about how much of that is true in terms of JBL bullied him because the story was, at least the rumors were, that JBL, who's... Kind of notorious for being an asshole to newbies and outsiders and things like that. That he um, bullied Mauro Ranello, and that that was the reason why Mauro Ranello quit. I don't care why he quit or what happened. Nope. Because we'll never get to the bottom of it no matter what. Right. Him coming back to NXT was announced the same week that it was announced that he was going to be calling the play-by-play on the Conor McGregor-Floyd Mayweather fight. Does that have anything to do with it? It does for WWE, absolutely. It made them chase him the same way that they originally chased him because he's a legit MMA uh, announcer. I mean, is it possible that WWE did not know what they had in Mauro Ronaldo and they just treated him like another play-by-play guy, but they didn't realize that he's kind of he's special. He is, yeah, he's special. He is the best in-ring announcer. I mean. Except for JR coming back for cameos every now and then, the only person that I want to hear doing play-by-play is Mauro Ronaldo. Corey Graves is amazing. At, he's not a play-by-play guy. Though. No, but he's not a play-by-play guy. Uh, but when I want to hear play-by-play, Cruiserweight Classic is one of the things that got me back mm-hmm. into watching week-to-week. And he and put guys over. He put everybody over, and he knows their history. Right. He knows them in New Japan. He follows everything, and he's incredibly knowledgeable. He knows the names of the moves. He's like a super charismatic, fun Mike Tanay, like a non-creepy Mike Tanay. <laughs> <laughs> Just real quick, and we can move on. I think that's another reason, talking about New Japan wrestling, I think that's another reason why they wanted to get him back. They didn't want him, him, or they being the WWE, didn't want him to go 
leave the WWE and go to New Japan. They were playing defense. Right. Because so, JR is already calling New Japan. Right. But, you know, he's doing it limited as well. Yeah. So it getting him back strengthens WWE and hurts New Japan on the same. Vince, me and Vince. All right. Uh, that'll do it for the women's revolution part of the three count, which brings us to the three count. Nice segue there. Which, um... This is something that I particularly want to talk about with you guys just because I think it's um, interesting to talk about the entertainment part of the sports entertainment world that WWE has crafted for itself. Uh, in particular, the LeVar Lonzo LaMelo segment of Raw with on Miss TV. And the reason I want to talk about this is because this is where the WWE always fucks up because... They're trying to get that crossover appeal. They're trying to get that Sports Center moment where they got LeVar Ball sitting in the ring with the Miz. And what you had on Monday night, now granted, I was in Colorado and I managed to turn on the TV while <laughs> while we were sitting around playing Monopoly just so I could peek over and Nothing I was to like see here people. I had the sound off and I was like, "Holy shit, is that LeVar and Lonzo Ball sitting in the ring on Miz TV?" Is he having a seizure? <laughs> and what WWE fans do not want to see is, and I saw somebody say this on Twitter, and I, I wish I could tell them who, wish I could say who it was. It might have been Wade Keller. But he said what WWE gets wrong is that wrestling fans don't want to see celebrities go in and do basically a wrestling camp where they get to be a WWE superstar for a segment. And that's where they really fucked up with LeVar Ball because LeVar Ball was not playing ball pardon the pun, right. with The Miz. Like, they had to know that LeVar Ball was going to get booed. He is a He's an inherent heel. Nobody likes LeVar Ball. There, there are people that like LeVar Ball. Believe they, it or not. They like him in like kind of a negative way. Not your raw crowd. I wasn't even thinking of lines, along the lines of wrestling. I'm just saying in general. Okay, when's the last time that the WWE brought in a celebrity and the celebrity wasn't booed offhand? I mean, they had Ashton Kutcher and Danny Masterson in there. They got right. booed out of the building. They had uh, Hugh Jackman in there. He Bob got Barker? Maybe I'd, Bob Barker. I'd have to go with <laughs> Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, well, Dwayne oh, no, Johnson. That's good to say. That doesn't count. You but know shit, that. he came in at the end of the Royal Rumble, held up Roman Reigns' hand, and, and they still booed him out of the building. <laughs> they still booed him out of the building. But in, they, I mean, Hugh Jackman kind of got a pop because he actually went in there and took a couple bumps and then knocked out Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. And he's a badass all around. And outside of the LeVar Ball segment, we had we had Hugh a couple Jackman? celebrity. Yeah, Hugh Jackman's badass. He is? Yeah, he's a but you're actually going to be banned from ringside. <laughs> you guys are fucking with me. No, I'm not, I'm really not. Is Hugh Jackman a badass? The motherfucker's played Wolverine for like ten I've, years. I've never seen him. What? Jesus Christ! I've never seen any. You've, of the ne- you've never seen any uh, X Men. He also see he can also I sing. I the first he one. can also sing and Jesus dance, Christ. and he's I like that ripped his shit. Yeah, and he's been like married to the same woman for like thirty years, and who he's like at least ten times more attractive than. I love that dude. Oh, you like him because he... Because he's the he, realest dude. Yeah, I like him because he can sing and dance. I yeah. watch him on the Tonys. I've never seen any of the Wolverine movies. We're Good way Lord. off track. He was in Les Mis. Anyway. Um, Didn't see that either, although I wanted to. God damn it. All right. Lord, uh, we did have another celebrity guest, though, which is worth mentioning because we had that Josh Duhamel. I don't really know him that well. Josh, 
do a mill. I'm just going off of. Yeah. And he's in like the Transformers. I think he's in a WWE like promoted movie. Uh, but he was there as a guest commentator, which he kind of worked, but it was like during a match with like the Hardys and Dean Ambrose versus like Seamus and Cesaro and who was the other guy? Samson. Yeah, yeah, Elias Elias Samson. Samson. All of those guys are like true superstars, and he comes in and he's like, "Yeah, man, like uh, you know, I've been watching this in like twenty years, and I oh met I met Vince McMahon backstage, and I can just hear Vince in the headset like, I'm not fucking backstage, I'm not fucking backstage, <laughs> God damn it, yeah, tell Duhamel to keep kayfabe." <laughs> <laughs> and I just expected him to just be like, "You guys know this is like fake, right? But this is like a lot of fun." Yeah, and I just I don't need the celebrity stuff. I never needed it. It was never fun. It wasn't like when Mike Tyson came in, I didn't give a shit uh, for WrestleMania 14. It would have been better without him. Um, You know, I just really never have cared. They brought Jennifer Flowers in on that same WrestleMania. Like Cindy Lauper was probably the coolest WrestleMania thing ever. Snooki took a bump. Snooki did take a bump. I just don't need it. And maybe it's me being biased because I don't need crossover no, I, appeal. No, I, I don't think it's you being biased. I think you kind of speak for all wrestling fans in, in that, like, we can watch Hugh Jackman anywhere. Yeah. Like, I'm watching wrestling because the wrestlers are the stars. And, I don't need stars to be brought in. And then that that's what we were talking about earlier. I'll say this and we can wrap it up. The hardcore base doesn't like this. LeVar Ball aside, he's a lightning rod you got what you got when you brought him in. You knew what you were doing when you said, okay, LeVar, here's an open mic on live TV. Go ahead and, and basically say what you want to say. They got what they deserved. Oh, they Ultimately, got- they got what they deserved. Yes. You, you cannot allow this jabroni with a live mic on live TV say what he wanted to say. It was a train wreck. I agree. Especially if I you're not going to let your talent say what they want to say. Okay. Because Miz was very scripted. And if Miz is corpsing and he's laughing and he can't keep a straight face, Miz is professional as shit. And there, that's There's the ultimate problem. problem. Yeah. You're you're letting guys that should have a script, the Josh Demels and the LeVar Balls just fly off the handle versus the guys that shouldn't have a you script. You think he was supposed to take his shirt off? No, I don't no, think he, he was did supposed it on to do a own. lot of those things. He did it on his own. He started bouncing around he the went, ring like he was he having He went rogue on that segment. He told and his that, 15-year-old that, kid I, to like take why, care of his light work. Yeah, you know, get that, beat his ass or beat that nigga's ass. Beat that nigga's ass. That that right there destroyed the whole segment. If it, they what, said no, that? Yeah. He, that uh, was the Lamello, one. Lamelo said that? Lamelo's like, beat that nigga's ass. Beat that nigga's ass. It was on Holy live shit. TV. They didn't censor it either time. You didn't know it? I watched that it. That was a big deal. I yeah, thought that was, was the whole reason. They, WWE had to come back out the next day and basically, you know, apologize for the language being said. I love that Bill was the one that wanted to talk about this, but did but not yes, know yes. that the <laughs> N-word was, was live twice on Raw. Okay? That's what I'm talking about. You got what you I deserved. I still haven't recorded. Guys, oh, Jesus. I, guys, my plane came in at 1130. I went to a couple bars afterwards. I came back and watched the segment. Excuses, then. excuses. I played softball and I watched them immediately. I, I, still have a lot of, I still have a lot of thoughts on it. No, I think I said them all. Yeah, we're good. Move yeah, on. I think we're okay. Uh, that'll do it for our three count. <laughs> Yay, Sam. <laughs> all right, so now a little word about our sponsor. Now, I was there the other day. You went to Soul Taco again? What was that, yesterday? What did you get? The uh, chicken burrito this time. Um, went out w- Tuesday night, got a little silly after work, had 
probably one too many drinks, once again, being overserved. So I woke up the next day and I'm like, you know, I could go get some breakfast or I can just hold out and get some soul taco. I was like, oh, it's perfect. It's got to get the burrito because the burrito would basically soak up the poison from the night before and get me on the way to work where I'm going to be kissing the asses of the public for generous tips. Now, that being said, went in and of course, this is why I love soul taco. It's literally like all the music that I grew up with as a as a young adult, I won't say a kid, it's on when I walk in the door. It's it's always hip hop and it's great. So I just beat bop in, walk in. Definitely a fun environment. And you're talking about the U City location. Yeah, yeah. Uh, located at the, the west up. west end of the loop. Closer to the what is that? Is that Kingsland? Yeah. Is that close the to Kingsland? Kingsland. Okay. Yep. But uh no, once again, you know, filled me up it's i'm getting to the point where i'm thinking it's gonna have to be kind of a once a week thing and even if they weren't sponsoring the show i would say it has been a once a week thing for you right yeah it's twice uh last week once this week yeah (laughs) so so one and a half times a week yeah either way but no it's once again i don't like to try new things and when i got it the first time i was like okay this is good went back the second time like an idiot Got it again. We're three for three. Soul Taco is one of those places, especially if you're in the loop, close to the loop. You see the ta- uh, the uh, food truck, whatever the case may be. Go in, check it out. It'll be worth your time. And I can say, coming from family experience, uh, I'm going to be real mad if uh, we don't make it to St. Louis again this weekend because that's what we usually do. We live on the Illinois side, but we go to St. Louis. We always fill up and eat. My kids love it. They got the quesadillas. And uh, I just fill up, and like Bill, I always grab extra for home. Oh, yeah, you got to get that extra burrito. I, I missed that part. I was on the it's way a, to work. But it's Bush League. And I just want to point out that Jason Bell um, is not putting on airs at all. He had not tried Soul Taco before they became a sponsor, and now he is telling the truth about how he is hooked. Didn't, didn't tell Bill that I went to Soul Taco before we did the spot. No, did not. No. Uh, Soul Taco locations. There's a food truck around St. Louis. There's a location in the U-City Loop, Columbia, Missouri, Champaign, Illinois, and Chicago, Illinois. So go check out Soul Taco, please. Uh, And that brings us on. uh, What we usually do at the end of the show every week is go to uh, This Week in Wrestling History. Uh, we're going to fast forward that a little bit this week because it's a big week no shit. for this week in wrestling history. So we're going to go from the furthest back furthest back to the most recent. Can I say one thing about this week, though? Please. Before we do that, because I, I don't want to stay in the organization. But I just want to say how there was, for all those listening, that was my fireball that it's knocked over. Uh, I want to say how worked I was with the Enzo and Cass uh basically kind of like DIY breakup. I know they got that I should ass. not they have been, but I said last week that I was just waiting for the reunion and when I got it in a week, I was so happy. Oh, really? I was. You were into it. I you wanted them it. to get back together. I wanted them to get back together. I mean, Enzo was basically like one of those like Jersey Shore Guidos like trying to talk his girlfriend into getting back together after he <laughs> slapped her in the face in the bar. <laughs> Like he was just like yeah, it was sense. such a heartfelt promo. Oh, I, I think Enzo. I think they're both doing tremendous work. Yeah, because you can tell that it's that it's real and that they're based on real things. And now that it's happened, I mean, all I want is for Enzo to go to the rafters like Sting for a year and not say a word, and then just like come down and say like, "How you doing?" Is there a possibility they'll send Enzo to two hundred five? 
No. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, after a while? No. No? Enzo Enzo Neville could be a really cool feud. Are you serious right now? Serious is a heart attack. Do I seem that serious? Well, you've been sarcastic on the way to drive over here with the softball boys, so that's why I'm asking you. Are you <laughs> serious? Like okay. There is no reason in the world to put Neville and Enzo in a, any kind of match. It should, if you do, it's better in in a five minute squash. They don't even deserve to be in the same ring together. That's the only thing. That's the thing that upsets me about this is is great of a performer as Enzo is. I just don't see him as a singles performer, and I can't see him in the ring with like most people. I can see him having a job with the WWE though for the next thirty years. Oh yeah, I mean he's a manager. He would be an amazing yeah, manager, yeah, something like color that. commentator, yeah, something like I that. Mean, he's all personality. Yeah. He, he, I mean, he does his. I mean, his wrestling is okay. Yeah, but I mean, his selling is great. Yeah, yeah. Vince likes that. I want to agree with Corey Graves. Corey Graves, one time, I think it was back in NXT, said that uh, basically Big Cass. They were in Chicago, and he said, "I understand why Chicago would like Enzo and Cass because you could see Cass as a champion maybe in a hundred years. He'd be like the Cubs, <laughs> <laughs> but Enzo being like the White Sox, if he was ever a champion, you'd." guaranteed have a scandal involved <laughs> so like best uh i just I, I got worked i actually i got worked so bad that i i ma- played it for my family on youtube like dude, immediately after because i wanted them to get worked i thought this week's segment was better than last week's segment yeah because because he's a better talker even though that was the promo of Cass's career enzo's better i thought last week was better and just for the fact that Cass got to kind of expand a little bit and ultimately that's that's what the spinoff is it has nothing to do with enzo it's all about big cans all right uh that was it i'm sorry no that's okay it's uh it's it's your show too <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, no, 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 that's not lying. <laughs> going into uh this week in wrestling history so i'm going to go from the furthest back to the most recent. Let's do it. Because there's five big things that happened. Mm-hmm. So we're going to try. We have about 18 minutes left. So Let's we're gonna going to try to knock them all out. Let's go. 21 years ago, Austin 316 was born. Do you remember this when it happened, Jason Bell? I don't. Um, but obviously, one of the landmark moments in uh, WWE history, uh, King of the Ring, where Michael Hayes, a.k.a. Doc Hendricks, was the uh, the microphone guy or whatever you want to call it, the announcer. I don't know. The, What's the word I'm Michael, looking for? No, Michael no, 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 no. P.S. Hayes. Yeah, but no, he, he was the backstage you know, agent. Agent, thank you. But he was literally in front of Austin when he said it. It Obviously, from that point, it, it propels Austin to the Austin that we know right now. But as it stood right then, when we don't even have King of the Ring anymore, it, it was kind of uh, nondescript, I guess, for lack of a better word. And then all of a sudden... You know, 21 years later, we're talking about it. You know, it's interesting that you said that we don't have King of the Ring anymore because there's goddamn 20 pay-per-views a year. Why can't they have a King of the Ring? That's something that needs to happen. No, this is why they don't have King of the Ring anymore because you devalued titles. You would devalue the King of the Ring. Something I was saying online, uh, I guess, in the last couple of days, I was like, well, because it was talking about ROH. Maybe a six-man title uh, champion is probably a little too much, but why not have a TV champion? I mean, you got all these programs on. You can't have a TV champion? Well, I think Money in the Bank is the new king of the ring. Oh, what? Okay. You're right about that. But 
ultimately ROH, the reason part of the reason why I like ROH is they keep the hierarchy of championships and they value said championships. Let's just say for my sake of example, the TV champion is like the low card championship, the Ty Dillingers, the Enzo Amores. The European championship, what the European championship used to be. Okay, same concept. Then you would have the mid-card championships, the U.S. title, the uh, the Intercontinental title. Those are like the two stepping stones from back in the day that would lead you to the WWE, WCW, NWA, whatever the case may be. The reason why you don't have it, WWE has a hard time building stars. They devalue the title, so in turn, they would probably devalue whoever the king of the ring was, which would be a great idea for them to do, but they won't do it the right way. I don't care about the king gimmick. Just get rid of it. Like, we don't need King Booker or King Owen, although, I mean, King, king Owen Booker and King Booker were chain, both funny. awesome. I thought King Sheamus was, too. Last king of the ring winner. I liked when Sheamus walked around as King Sheamus. I don't have a problem with it. I mean, it just doesn't, it doesn't have to happen. It can happen, given the right given the right person. Uh, but I'm I'm really looking forward to that coming back. I think that would be cool. I actually did watch the Austin 316 promo live because uh, my parents were cool enough to buy me the pay-per-view. Shout out to Paul and Dorothy. They're the best. <laughs> and uh, I had an Austin 316 shirt. I had a Stone Cold University t-shirt. I think I even had the shitty Walmart t-shirt where he had the arms raised and they were turned into rattlesnakes. rattlesnakes. <laughs> like, oh. Yeah. So uh, Austin beat... Roberts, right? Yeah, Jake, Jake, Jake Roberts, the Snake. Yeah. And it was and when Jake the Snake Roberts was Christian. That, yeah, and then basically he turned uh, John three three sixteen into Austin 316. Right. Which was the moment, but even then, I mean, you might have recognized it at the moment. I was, what, I was 11. So I didn't recognize it at the moment as something life-changing or, like, groundbreaking. But within a few months, you did realize that Stone Cold was it. Yeah, it took off. And Stone Cold was probably, I mean, you can talk about Hogan, but I, I feel like, to me, as a fan, Stone Cold is the most over-wrestler in history for when I was watching. If you oh. did a Mount Rushmore of WWE stars, he's probably going to have to be on it. He's got to be. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think if you did a ranking, he's number one. He's he, Washington. He, he brought, he merged together Hogan's WWE with... Everything that the came attitude after. Era. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, I mean, he was the Attitude Era. Pretty much. I mean, he's it, still my favorite wrestler of all time. One and one A with Kurt Angle. I'm, you know, I'm always going to be a Rock fan. I mean, I'm just sorry. I'm, I'm one and one A with Shawn Michaels. With Austin? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Austin's, I mean, still, man, when you watch Austin, because <laughs> I watch it a couple times a year, when Austin stuns Vince McMahon for the first time <laughs> and then just gets in his face and starts yelling at a past as, as McMahon's having seizures. So it's still one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I still cackle every time I see oh, it. Oh, I know. I'm doing a rewatch right now where I watch every week of Nitro and, and Raw, and I'm currently in 1998, and it's... It's it's I mean it, Jesus it's Christ. it's rough and I watch the pay per views also but <laughs> oh, it's so fun oh to relive God. my childhood that was that was such a great and I, we don't need to talk about how great the attitude area was everybody knows yeah for right? sure but yeah anyway great great promo great history nineteen years ago was the this week nineteen years ago was the Undertaker Mankind infamous Hell in a Cell match where there was two massive bumps that um, ultimately, I think, probably hurt pro wrestling going forward uh, in terms of people being a little bloodthirsty and being let down pay-per-view after pay-per-view after pay-per-view because nobody got thrown off a hell in the cell. I think I get what you're saying on that, but 
let's let's be honest for thirty seconds. I don't fault either one of the performers. I don't. I I think that if Foley wanted to do it, by God, let Foley do, do it. it. Also, Taker had a broken foot. Let's really? not forget that he had a broken foot. You Didn't know that? Yeah, the I whole match. I have a hard time believing. So, uh, Taker at the beginning of the match, they get right onto top of the cell. Taker throws Foley or mankind off. Goes to the Spanish announce table. Uh, breaks a bunch of shit in his body. Uh, two through his lip. Two through his lip. Suffers a concussion. Says Shut to this day that he doesn't, he doesn't remember. remember this. That's crazy to me. Yeah. That's that's like in the first five minutes of this match. And he still had, I think, 19 more minutes of match to go. Right. Well, you can tell he's completely knocked out. Like whenever Taker chokeslams Terry Funk uh, literally out of his shoes. Right. <laughs> like they're just spitballing because Mankind's on the fucking floor unconscious and they're right. just trying to like build time until he wakes up um i mean shout out again to paul and dorothy for buying that for 13 year old me I mean, that was <laughs> the best goddamn thing and I, ever and i should have just a sidebar of that i wanted to get that pay-per-view and i didn't do it and then i watched the raw on monday night and obviously they're they're gonna push the shit out of this i mean you've had two of the biggest uh, bombs what in- pay-per-view was it on it was Ooh. hell in a cell it uh, was the pay-per-view wasn't it wasn't the uh, I don't even Survivor remember. Series? No. I mean, it's worth a Google. It wasn't the main event. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't the main event. Was so this? somebody had to follow that. Right. That, that that to me is just absolutely It's probably like Jeff Jarrett versus China or yeah, something had to follow that. <laughs> well, no. Uh, ultimately, this was, once again, and when Raw comes on or whatever, you see that moment. And that moment is going to be etched in the annals of time. We get that. Mankind could have probably died. It was King of the Ring. Oh, how about that? <laughs> 1998. Nice callback. Mankind should have died at some point. The first one into the Spanish announce table was bad I, enough. Was bad enough. The second one through the top of the cage, and when he landed like that, that, ins- that just ugh. they insist that wasn't supposed to happen. It wasn't supposed to happen. I'm not sure I believe that. Then that's really faulty. What they were engineering? No, no. Uh, at the top of the cage, there was supposed to be a spot where there was they were supposed to do that. And Taker missed it for whatever reason. They didn't go to that spot. I can't remember why they end up going into the middle. Probably because mankind had a giant concussion and Taker had a broken foot, and they just <laughs> yeah, we're just like, fuck yeah, it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This is good enough. Just go and ahead. actually, mankind's like just throw me through the regular. And then Mankind lost the match by being choke slammed onto thumbtacks. You, this is once again, this is where people are better than me. I know everybody's like, oh, wrestling's fake. I can't believe you got a wrestling podcast. Look, look, I get wrestling is fake, but this is where you get hurt from point A to point B. You shouldn't be taking bounce, bumps like that off of a, the Spanish announce table off the top of a 20 foot cage or whatever it is. The thumbtacks is just like salt in the wound at that point. 15 years ago, I just watched this match tonight uh, prior to coming in, was Cena's debut <laughs> against Kurt Angle. I tell you what, so these guys prefaced this by telling me what we were going to talk about history-wise. I almost kind of wish I would have just gradually worked up to this on the rewatch and just like been like, holy shit, that's fucking a young John Cena. It's a weird segment because uh, Angle had just tapped out Hulk Hogan at the prior pay-per-view. It might have been King of the Ring, too. I, f- I forget. I was watching it. I mean, I just watched it before I came in. And then um, he had just beaten Taker clean, clean on the SmackDown prior. So Ang- so Vince McMahon comes in, th- comes into the ring to introduce Kurt Angle. 
and I mean, it's just massive heat. I mean, the place is just going absolutely fucking bonkers, just yelling at Kurt Angle. So Kurt Angle had just been shaved. He just shaved his head. He lost a hair versus hair match. Jason thinks it was versus Edge. I think it was against Edge. He lost a hair versus hair match, but Angle comes out wearing wrestling headgear with a big (laughs) fluffy wig underneath. It was great. And everybody's yelling at him. He goes, I challenge anybody uh, who's never fought me before to come out here. This kid comes out. Angle says, who the hell are you? And he goes, I'm John Cena. It's goes, true. And he goes, what, what What do you have? What do you? What qualities do you have to make you think you can take out the best in the business? And he goes, ruthless aggression. Which, hey, I wasn't watching at the time, but please tell me, you guys that were, did they really just... I watched a 15-minute segment with including that match, and I think they said ruthless aggression seven times. Is that what they did? It was Angle's thing. Oh, okay. Angle's thing was ruthless aggression. He put everybody in the ankle lock. That, okay. that, he had the three eyes: integrity, intelligence, and intensity, and ruthless aggression. Okay. I just don't want to hear that hot word. I'm, I'll stop my rewatch at that point. If I <laughs> but anyway, they come out and have a pretty intense, like seven minute match. No, it was really good. And the the, it place, was really the good. place is going great, uh, and it's fun to see John Cena. I said that John Cena is probably twenty five, thirty pounds bigger now than he was then. Oh yeah, but easily. his face looks the exact same. Yeah, for sure. That was going to say. Angle almost looks. Angle is probably twenty pounds heavier now than he was then, but doesn't look that much different they didn't look that much different it's like a time capsule um 10 years ago and some happier news uh chris benoit uh (laughs) killed his wife and child and then committed suicide do you guys have any memories of where you were when you found out that this happened i think i was at home and somewhere um the news that came out and then i think the raw was subsequently thereafter it, it's this once again this is where wrestling is fake but it's not fake you know you take these bumps it's uh, like it's like football you know all of a sudden you know random football player a you know goes berserk and kills himself and the wife and kids i mean this is no different it, it's a sad day it's the fact that we really even can't talk about chris Benoit on wwe programming because he's amazing but this is he, what we remember he was amazing that's the thing is I feel super guilty because growing up, Chris Benoit was one of my favorites. He was he was the Wolverine. He was the Canadian Crippler. He was so spontaneous and explosive in the ring. His worked punches and kicks looked like real worked punches and kicks. He never tried to get outside of what he was. He was always just this serious uh, grappler. Yeah, and he would always take bumps to the back of the head, like which people wouldn't. I mean, I, I saw a headbutt. The flying headbutt, too. I mean, I saw Kevin Sullivan bash him in the head with a wooden chair on WCW, and they had they had probably four matches where they ended up in the men's room, where they were just, like, doing pile drivers in a men's room. Yeah. And, I mean, and then eventually, of course, the whole Kevin Sullivan thing where kayfabe was still real, and he let Nancy sleep in the same hotel room yeah. with, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, it was just a mess. I was out of wrestling at the moment, and I saw it online, and like I said, I immediately felt guilty. I was like, holy shit, that's one of my favorite wrestlers. So, um, I remember uh, I had bartended the night before, and I was waking up probably around noon, and I woke up, and my girlfriend at the time had left a voicemail on my brand new flip phone. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, uh, when you wake up, call me. Uh, there's a wrestler named Chris Benoit that killed himself. Oh, she said Benoit. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I remember. Yeah, I remember exactly how it was. She's a non-wrestling fan, so yeah, what do you expect? Uh, terribly sad. Uh, 
fucked up chapter in the history of pro wrestling. Uh, The last thing, which I think is probably, uh, it might not be the biggest thing, but like I said, it's a big Mm. week in wrestling history, was the pipe bomb promo by CM Punk was six years ago. I also remember where I was for this. I was watching it live. I watched the pipe bomb promo probably three or four times a year. (laughs) Um, My thoughts on the pipe bomb promo was that it ushered in a new era of pro wrestling. Some have called it the reality era. Uh, I'm not sure if that's I, I'm not sure if that's the best name for it, but no. it was of all the work shoots in the history of work shoots, uh, the pipe bomb promo was the best to for me. For sure, um, it just it literally took the fourth wall and blew it up. And apparently, Vince, you know, gave Punk permission to go a little bit, and he just went the whole way. I mean. Oh yeah, they it, it, they cut off his mic legit. Yeah, because I mean now okay now you start to get a little out of pocket. Right. We, we got to get you back in, and that's what the great part about that whole shoot was. It was fact based. He uh, kicked off his frustrations about the all the behind the scenes politics that we don't get to uh, ever see, and he brought it out, and it, it made me connect with Punk more. He was now the anti hero versus Vince McMahon. Oh, and it led to one of the greatest matches of the last 10 years, which was Punk versus Cena Mm -hmm. at Money Money in the the Bank Bank, 2011 in Chicago. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Once again, another great match from Punk and Cena. For whatever reason, they got that chemistry going. And ultimately, it just, it sets off another round of, well, champion versus champion where Cena, Punk, both have the belt, got to unify it. And it made sense, and it worked. God bless John Cena. I mean, as much as I hate that motherfucker sometimes, he can pull off a match out of his ass sometimes. Oh, I think that was kind of the beginning of a great run for John Cena also, where he had close to... I mean, that was a five-star match. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And It was one of the first of a... I want to say a lot of these have come in the last couple of years. That was one of the first that where we weren't sure if John Cena could wrestle or not. That was like his real first five-star match. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, well, yeah, I didn't watch a whole lot of John Cena before that. Um, I will say that that um, I was a CM Punk mark oh, yeah, for, for a sure. full for a full four years after that. He was my dude. He was my dude, and uh, I mean, he kind of fell off towards the end for me. I think he's kind of shown his ass a little bit. What? When when you're mad, you're mad. And I said it the other day: the male ego is a fragile thing. He won the main event WrestleMania. Not Who this doesn't? male ego. <laughs> this male ego isn't fragile. Clearly not. No, if he won the main event WrestleMania, then at some point he should have. They didn't do it. Fifteen seconds, Zach, on money in the are on the pipe bomb promo. Uh, one thing it just did the best. A job of what any great promo does which is blend reality with kayfabe and still to this day there is a debate whether or not it was a shoot or a work i mean the consensus is it was a work shoot but there's people out there that still think uh chris benoit killed his son with the crippler crossface so um, the world is flat or the earth is i should say uh that'll do it for us this week um we are at bfr bill at bfr zach at bfr jason at BFR Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Band from Ringside or Friends of BFR. We like to have discussions on there during shows. Um, thank you to Soul Taco. Thank you to Sam the Engineer. Thank you to Chris Denman and Free Play Media. Uh, for Jason Cornelius Bell, for Two Beers Zach, I am Bill Vega. This has been Band from Ringside and 
Toby Hills. 